Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Sarah, I did to you what I hate people doing to me, which is texting you links when we know we're going to be on the computer via your phone. Do you know what I'm saying? Like te- texting you <laughs> shit on your phone when I know that we're going to meet on the computer. So then you got to dig that out and then you got to copy and paste. It's a part of a, being a part of a John Kim production. Oh, uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, catch me uh, where you can. Okay. Um, who am I talking to? Well, she was marooned for six days in an underground cave with no food or light with the challenge of navigating out. She spent four months solo walking the length of New Zealand with just a handful of supplies in a backpack. She also um, is an alpinist. Alpinist? Alpinist. Alpinist. (laughs) Alpinist who summited the tallest mountain in North America unguided. She helps people to see and feel what's true through photography and to cultivate inner strength, creativity, and a love of the unknown through guided experiences with ice, breath, and movement in nature. Sarah Williams is a professional photographer, adventurer, and a coach, and she believes that our connection to nature is vital and sets out to inspire others to discover and strengthen that relationship. She is also my adventure coach and slash friend. I've known Sarah for years. You know, it's been really cool watching you because I feel like if where we met was high school, I feel like just because I'm older, I feel like I was a senior and um, you were a freshman. And and now we're all grown up. We've both graduated high school and we're all doing our thing. And it's been such a joy watching your character arc, watching, you know, you doing things and then becoming a coach and then helping people. And now, you know, one of the things you do is um, we partner on my, my retreat. So you're helping people in front of me. And I always, uh, this is going to sound creepy. I always kind of um, feel like a proud father, maybe not father, maybe an uncle, <laughs> a friend, a friend, just watching you do uncle. your thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so where yeah, so should we begin? <laughs> yeah, there, there is, um, there is so much. Um, it's not like it's so with you. It's not so much that you've done so much because you have, and I also love that you're a woman um, who have done these amazing things under the umbrella of adventure. But uh, what's really impressive is how you live. So you know, you were texting me the other day, and you're like, "Yeah, John, I'm in Utah," or I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in, a, I'm on, on a mountain right now," and I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Today you're in your bedroom, which is good. Yeah, well, living room, but you know, it's mm-hmm. I'm home. I am where I call home right now, which is nice. Yeah. How did how did um, this whole thing start? At what point did you decide I'm going to run toward adventure and use nature? Um, and stuff like that to really, um, as therapy. I would say it started for me because I saw a lot of sadness around me. I grew up in places Mm. that I didn't necessarily connect with. I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, which as we know now has incredible outdoor recreation. But at the time, you know, I saw a lot of 
the bad side, the degenerate gambling and the drug addiction, um, just a lot of unhappiness in all of the adults around me. And, um, I just didn't want that life for myself. And the only thing that I could kind of make sense of was the outdoor world. And so I started Mm. to, um, find solace and, and a healing in nature. And I would also see how adults in my life would use would go into nature and that would be the only time that they could feel alive or to feel a disconnect from the troubles of modernity. And, um, so it was always what just like age, a seed that at, was planted. At what age did you, uh, kind of growing up in the concrete jungle casinos, you know, the whole thing is man-made. So at what age did you start gravitating toward nature? I was always sheepishly attracted to it, but I wouldn't say it was until after college for me that Mm -hmm. I actually started to pursue it for myself. And so um, I always really resonated with the idea of it from a young age. And I was always really interested in sports stories that were leave it all out on the field, um, really giving it everything you got, putting yourself in crazy, unique situations and and, and sort of testing yourself and and testing your resolve. And so that was always really attractive to me, but I sat Mm -hmm. with it for a long time. Like I didn't act on it right away. And so I would say for years, I kind of just like felt like an internal calling that I quieted, that I didn't listen to because I didn't mm. think I could. I didn't think it was for me. I didn't think I was athletic enough. I didn't think I just, it was a lot of like voices kind of doling me down. Sure. And then kind of put at a certain point, it just that those quiet whispers became a scream. And then um, I've always just set my life up in a way to, from that point, listen to that, you know, to not do things that wouldn't allow me to have the time and the space and the freedom to explore myself um, in a natural setting. And the healing that I received once I finally listened to that was so profound for me. And I followed it for quite a while and then doing all those things that you mentioned. And then of course that lent itself to, wow, this was so incredible for me. How can I share this with others? How can I bring others into this? The people who I know that are suffering in my life, how can I, you know, show them, a door that hopefully they can walk through the same way that I did because it was so profound. What was some of your first um, adventures that terrified you? Like now you have a lot of confidence because you've done a lot of things like, uh, um, you know, being stuck, purposely stuck in a cave for, for many days and walk, <laughs> walking uh, New Zealand, which, which is pretty mind blowing, but, and you know, mountaintops and all that. And I know you've almost died. Um, but what was the first thing that really kind of scared you that you quote unquote conquered? I would say my very first overnight backpacking trip was really scary to me because it ended up in, it ended in search and rescue. My first like mm. big outdoor experience like ended up, I was in a situation, I went with three people into the woods, pretty forthcoming about the fact that like, I didn't know what I was doing. And, mm-hmm. um, they were like, Oh, it's fine. Like we got you. We know everything. Long story short, they didn't, they didn't know <laughs> they didn't have it. And so I was in a situation where one of them was slipping into shock from dehydration. We were like lost off the trail. We didn't know where we were. And I was terrified. Cause I was like, I don't know how to help this situation. Um, mm. but ended up taking all of our cell phones, climbing to the highest peak that I could getting cell phone service to get rescue out. But it was one of those situations where I was so terrified because I didn't know how to help the situation. I didn't have the skills, the know-how, anything. And, you know, lives were kind of on the line at that point. And um, 
but it was, you know, it ended up being just like a point, like a dot in my universe of, you know, it was a, a turning point because instead of running away from that situation, I ran towards it, learned everything that I could to help me. So that way I didn't have to face anything like that in the future. Or if I did, I would know how to handle it. Wow. And um, so to kind of prove to myself that I wasn't that same person, um, I wanted to solo hike the John Muir Trail, which is a 220 mile trail from Yosemite Valley to Mount Whitney. Mm. And um, that was really scary for me because I was going alone by myself for 20 days into like the Wait, longest that was your, wilderness that was your trail first in the United big States. Thing? That was your first big thing? Yeah. It's a solo hike? <laughs> Holy shit. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you did that. So yeah. you, you were what, in your 20s? Yeah. Early 20s? Yeah, I think I was, yeah, I was 25. So the other thing that's amazing about you is, uh, yes, you do some group <laughs> things, but a lot of things that you do are solo. You know, um, it's, it's pretty, uh, yeah. so like, uh, I, I mean, just the things that could happen because you're alone and you don't have someone else to help you. I mean, that, that in itself already gives me panic, but, uh, so tell us about that. So the John Muir hike, your first big adventure, 200 and something miles by yourself. Yeah. I mean, it- it's interesting because the reason why I did and do a lot of things by myself initially, which is because I didn't have a lot of people to do it with and mm-hmm. I didn't want to use that as an excuse to not. And ultimately like the solo, the solo travel stuff has been like my favorite moments of my life because you are alone and you don't have somebody to rely on. So you have to find that kind of internal strength or, you know, maneuvering in some way to, to get through it. But the very first night on the trail, I um, I set up my tent and I was in it by 2 p.m. to force myself to fall asleep because I was so afraid to be alone at nighttime in the wilderness and all the animals and oh, anything that could happen. Oh, so I was like, yeah. if I can just like fall asleep and be asleep and I don't have to be scared, I can just fast forward to the morning and everything will be okay. Um, but Sarah, it ended I, I, up being... Uh... Yeah. I'm a 50 year old man who can't sleep in my backyard in a tent because of, you know, things like <laughs> raccoons and shit. So, um, for you to be alone in Yosemite, uh, in the middle of nowhere and wanting to go to bed at 2 PM because you know, all the shit that could happen at night, that in itself is terrifying. Wow. So did you, so yeah. did you, um, during the day you, you did the walking and hiking and then you just went to bed early and then, you know, hoping you'd fall asleep and then you'd be still be alive and not eaten. That's correct. I mean, if, like after day one, I was like, okay, that was, that was a little aggressive 2 PM, you know, and you, you find the comfort out there. You, and it's interesting because now I feel safer in those environments than I do walking around in Los Angeles just during the day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a whole different set of, you know, of fears, but ultimately I'm more comfortable with the fears of the wilderness than I am the fears of living in a city in some mm. respects, somehow more, feel more, more dangerous. I mean, there's not going to be a wild animal in the city necessarily, but everything that you can think of that people deal with on a daily basis, walking around, it's kind of nutty. Um, but let, the, let me the ask trail you this. Itself, be- well, before we before we move on, what um what revelations did you have about yourself or life, um after this this uh this first big adventure? Yeah, well, the interesting thing is I had a lot of a lot of friends who talked to me before I went, 
who would say things like, oh, this is going to change your life. You're never going to be the same. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And even when I was on the trail, I was like, I'm looking around. I'm like, this is awesome. This is great. I love it. But I don't really see how this is going to like change my life. Um, and a lot of times it's only after that you really understand the ways in which these trips and these adventures change you. When you ask the same questions that you've been asking, except this time now you have different answers because you've gone through something. And um, for me, looking back, I can very easily say that that trip was the moment that I realized that I wanted to merge all these different passions that I have in my life. So outdoor athleticism, healing, and photography, because that's what that trip was for me. It was I bought like a brand new little camera because I went to school for photography, but I didn't know what I wanted to capture. And so I, I brought a little camera with me on the trail and a journal. I'm a heavy journaler. And so I, I documented my process of transformation. And um, both with, with, with words and also with, with photographs. And then being able to bring both of those things back and to share the experience, I saw that how other people resonated with it. And how from that moment, it was like, okay, like this is something that I want to inspire and help to let other people know that like it's to take time out of their life to maybe have some experiences that will allow them this sort of growth. And then to document mm. it and to, to share with the people in their life. Because I think a lot of things, that, one of my biggest beliefs is that we don't have to save the world as an individual, but we can inspire our community. You can inspire your family. Right. You can right. inspire the people around you. And by me doing that, that's what I did for my small community. And then I love it because then people would say like, oh, I went and did this thing because I thought of you. And, and, and then my brother did it. You know, just, I just love that little ripple effect. Like that's everything mm -hmm. for me. Yeah, you know, I believe that uh, purpose doesn't have to be this um, a giant bell that you hit at the end of the road. You don't have to change the world. You don't have to, you know, uh, fly people to Mars. Uh, purpose can be just how you show up in your day to day, you know, with your partner, exactly. your friends. And, and, and that to me is street level purpose. That to me is sending a ripple, affecting people in your community. And, and so, yeah, I don't. You know, I think the world um, thinks that purpose has to be this big, giant thing that you do and you have to change the world. And um, no, I agree with you. I think sometimes um, people who impact other people are more under the radar and people doing things in their community, churches, you know, they're, they're with their friends and stuff. So uh, you said something exactly. that's really interesting that I can relate to, and that is um, the tipping point of doing something scary where um, – because you and I both document in different ways, the documentation becomes the fuel. And now you see yourself more as a vessel bringing back, whether it's photographs, journals, videos, uh, some, some kind of content that's going to help other people. Right. So I, I used, you know, blogging when I, when I was going through my, my heartbreak and yeah. When you have that, you actually become fearless. So you're not just because now you're not just going to explore nature. You're going knowing that when you come back to the village, not only will you be changed, but you can now share your change with the world. And so that's going to make you fearless. Correct? Exactly. And the things that I do, I know are quite out there for the average individual. You know, I don't know many people who would happily and comfortably be marooned in a cave or climb the tallest mountains or just take four months of away from your life to walk across a country. And so um, I am that person. And 
you know, I'm going to have crazy unique revelations and life lessons learned. And I, I like that job. Like I'll be the person to go do those things. And then I will tell you about it so that you don't have to, but you can live vicariously through, or I can share with you something that you would never have been able to necessarily learn without either me going or you going, or just to share about the human experience and what's possible for us. I love that job. It, <laughs> is there, um, is the most difficult thing about doing these things is not so much the physical and mental uh, aspect, but actually the loneliness doing it alone or no, do you, do you feel like it's more like solitude? Um, so I've found solace in solitude. I think that it's very easy in life, especially in a big city to feel like everyone in every direction is trying to make you think a certain way to act a certain way to buy a certain product. And it's very easy to get lost in that. And so I really enjoy my soul. Even, even when I travel with friends, you know, you're always kind of at the, you're at the whim of other people in some way, like you're compromising, which is lovely. And I, I love that. But you know, when you're truly alone with only the influence of the earth, you truly learn who you are. You have no nobody trying to sell you anything, trying to convince you of a certain mindset. Like you're left with yourself long enough for yourself to emerge. And so I've loved that aspect so much. But I would say like the hardest part of any of these experiences is stepping away from life, is leaving the society, is having the courage to not know what's going to happen, but to do it anyways. Because a lot of these things are a longer duration. So I've had to quit jobs. I've had to move out of apartments. I've really had to commit myself to them. They have not been easy or convenient in any way. And I think that because of that risk, the reward is always, has always been extremely worth it and great. And the, the thing that I've learned the most, honestly, is that you know stepping away isn't that scary after all because everything is the same when you come back. Aside from children, if you're raising children, it's very different. Um, but, you know, the city is still running the same way. The TV shows are right. still the same. Everything, right. like, life and, and society kind of just, like, stays the same. It's very consistent. And you go away and you become this crazy, inter different person. And you've had just what feels like lifetimes of things happen in a short period of time. And you come back and everybody's sort of the same. Um, which is Which is good because it allows me to then next time have that realization be like, okay, things are going to be okay. Like when I come back, it's the world isn't going to end. Things are going to change. Mm -hmm. You know, people aren't going to move away. You know, families aren't going to disrupt, you know, it's everything's consistent. And, but it's a hard thing to convince yourself to take that time and to leave and to just have the time for the experience. It's always the hardest. Yeah. Uh, I want to highlight something you said, sitting with yourself long enough where, yourself emerges. So, uh, and I love that because I also feel like, and we'll talk about ice in a little bit, kind of um, it's what happens in ice where you sit in it long enough where past the panic, past the fight or flight, you kind of um, come back to calm breath and then uh, a more honest version of you emerges. I mean, freezing your balls off, but still uh, there's a, a, a <laughs> There's almost like a um, what's the thing where um, um, people get possessed and then the 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 what's it called the the pastors come and they um, exorcism shake. yeah it's like an exorcism it's like an exorcism <laughs> a mini exorcism I don't know I if mean, that's a good way to sell it you know? yeah 
Yeah, probably not. But and and I, and I and I would assume that these adventures you go on that are epic in a way they're like long stretched out uh, versions of that where you come back, even if it's a little different. I mean, you've seen things, you've you know experienced things. There's a lot of stuff happening, and then you come back um, different. You come back, yeah. It's almost a, a, an exorcism. Hey, um, the big one that I always brag about, just because um, it's 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 one of those adventures that I can't. Like I said, I can't even, you know, pitch a tent in my backyard and go camping um, in a cave. And this was a part of a TV show. You were in a cave for many days. Um, uh, uh, infrared cameras, uh, so dark you could, you know, came to the hand in front of you. Um, not much water, food, and you lose sense of time. You're by yourself. Um and, and and the show is basically who could stay in there the longest. And there were all these, you know, um, Marines and qualified uh, people who can do this. And here you are, um, you know, the uh, the I would say the underdog on paper. And uh, Absolutely. I believe either you won or you came into the top one, two, three. I don't remember what happened, but tell us about that experience. Yeah, it, it was exactly as you described. It was a. a a survival experiment for the discovery channel where they would take people of different who were, you know, outdoor survivalists, Marines, like all sorts of folk and place them in a pitch black cave alone mm -hmm. um, with the idea that um, you had to navigate yourself out of the cave. And so you could meet other people, you could team up um, or you might not. And um, you had six days to navigate out of the cave. Um, otherwise you would lose the experiment. And, um, Exactly as you said, I was 100% the underdog. The the PAs on the set, they all had they would have a bet each each episode, like oh who's gonna you know who's gonna oh, chicken I out love the most it. or who's yeah. gonna get out. And then so I had heard that of course, like little blonde girl from Los Angeles, you know how is she gonna do in this? Right. And so everybody of course is like oh she's gonna she's gonna quit after four hours. Just watch. Um, and so going into it, I had extreme imposter syndrome because I had mm. heard about the, the accolades of everybody who was going to be a part of this. And I was like, that's not me. Like I had just, you know, gone through that experience where I was rescued in the wilderness. And so I had learned a lot and I felt like I was ready. And this was definitely a test, but also I was like, this is a big deal. This is a big time situation. Yeah. And I have no idea what it's going to be like, how I'm going to react. Like once I meet that moment, and who I'm going to be like, I don't know. I'm, I've never been in that situation. Am I going to freak out? Am I not? Um, and it was just one of those moments where like they were interviewing me before the cave and I was just like shaking. I was like, I don't belong here. Um, I didn't doubt my ability in there, but I was just like comparing myself to everybody else around me. And um, so the thing is, so I got in there and they put us in isolation for what I, for a little while. And they're like, okay, so stay in this, this room and then we're gonna leave don't 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 move until you hear from us again i was like okay they're probably just like positioning us in the cave and then they're gonna like radio or shout to us like okay the the, the experiment begins mm -hmm. um so they, i was like in this moment like in that pitch black that you described like can't see your hand in front of your face like your eyes i'm sure just massive trying to see any any form of light and the only light that I saw the entire time was a, as a dab of static electricity, like a little jolt, which is really cool to see, by the way, the light of that, um, but just completely nothing. And um, so I was like, okay, like I just kind of have to keep my attitude up. Like my attitude is everything. And 
So I was wearing a helmet. So I was like practicing headstands. I was like doing some like air squats and like very light exercise because it was also very cold. And so I was mm-hmm. like how, like I'm not eating anything. So I want to like keep myself warm, but I don't want to have a huge caloric expenditure. Right. Um, and um, it ended up being two whole days in that isolation, in that confinement, if you will, before they even let us start moving about the cave. And um, I was like whistling, I was like singing songs. I was just trying really hard to just like keep my internal world alive. Because ultimately, Wait, did you, like, did you I know, actually, did you sleep at all or no? Tried, right? <laughs> and so like during that, during that time, you know, I would be like, okay, so like, I think it's time to sleep now. And you're like, it's a ice cold ground, ice cold ground. And so anytime that you lay on it, like your body heat is just being stolen from you. But what's cool about it is that when you sleep, you don't know how long it's been. You have no measure to gauge time. You don't have a watch. You don't have the sun in the sky. Um, Nothing. And it's not, you don't wake up feeling like rejuvenated because it's not like you're sleeping at like a holiday inn with like amazing thread count sheets, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. a cold ground. So you're like, "Ah, was I asleep for 10 minutes? Was I asleep for an hour? Was it four hours? You don't know. And so very early on in the experience, I was just like, I have to not even think about time. Time is no longer relevant. Time does not exist. It is not anything. And that was also one of the most beautiful aspects of it was that I was able to have an experience where time was so irrelevant. That mm-hmm. It just wasn't a part of it. And to and when is that an, when is that the case, you know, like in our lives? Like everything is always yeah. on a schedule. Everything is right. day, night, of course. Like that's just what it is to be a human, your circadian rhythms. Um, but in this experience, that was gone and your sight was gone. And so these other gauges of measure and, and your senses like came completely alive. And um, that's why I speak about this experience so positively is because it gave me such a unique human experience. to like understand my body and my mind in a way that I would have never been able to. And luckily I'm very comfortable with both of those things. And um, I've cultivated such an internal, I don't know, strength of mind and um attitude positive attitude that has allowed me to be successful in these types of situations for sure um what was your greatest takeaway coming out of the cave um after you came home what did you take away uh, or was that it the the power of your your mind body connection and what you can can do yeah i mean it i would say it's some it's a combination of all of those things absolutely that I mean, from that trip, I definitely got invested a little bit more into spirituality and what that means for me mm-hmm. and um, and how seeing isn't believing, but feeling is and mm. how u- utilizing yeah. like my body is a metric for for a gauge of of everything in life through intuition and through just straight feeling and um that was a really big catapult for me just in the sense of my self-confidence as well, because I went into it, as I described earlier, just so unconfident. So there was so much imposter syndrome with comparing myself to everybody around me um, because on paper, I wasn't the same as them. And so I belittled myself in my mind, but you know, ultimately at the end of the experience, like I was in me, me and one other person were the ones to get out and, you know, grown people of serious accolades quit after 12 hours and so um it really gave 
a, me a belief in myself that allowed me to then tackle greater challenges from that point forward. I would be out by lunch. If I couldn't um, <laughs> grub hub something to the cave, I'd be like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> so let's one of the reasons switch. Why I, I think it's real quick. I just, I, I think yeah. I, I'm, you're so, I love you as a friend. This is so great. This is like the dynamic between us, like in nature and just like how yeah, different we are towards these things yeah. is just like the most comedic relief of, of everything. It's the best. I grew up in Los Angeles in the city and um, I was never exposed to nature. Uh, my dad never took me camping that one time. I mean, I, I don't know anything about. Uh, so um, I think my first outdoor experience wasn't until like I was in my 30s. And that's why I, it, it's like a, it's a different planet for me. I have no I've had no experience in it. Um, I mean, that's why when like, you know, uh, our mutual friend Andy tricked me and I was on the side of a mountain like, um, I, I don't, it's like, it's like throwing someone, it, I, I mean, I don't even know what that's like. It's like throwing an alien, you know, into, uh, like a fucking elementary school and being like, Hey, here are the lockers. I have just, I have no idea. And so, um, I've always been scared of obviously animals. Um, I can't pick up animals. Um, I can't, I, I just, I don't know. It's very, so I'm very, but what I do, what I, what I am attracted to in the bridge to nature uh, is machines. So I've always been a gearhead um, since BMX bikes and skating. Um, I've always loved uh, pedaling something, you know, something with an engine. And so if you add dirt bikes, uh, one of the things that uh, Andy and I are thinking about doing is riding jet skis from Long Beach to Catalina which is, you know, a couple oh, wow. hours, but like, I would never swim. Like I, you give me a million dollars. I w it would be too terrified to swim, even if I was in a cage. And I know there's probably, you know, no sharks in, in that area, but, um, on a jet ski now, you know, you put an engine between my legs. Now I'm down and that gets me really excited. So my way into nature is always going to be through some kind of machines <laughs> getting dopamine that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, camping, I'll, I'll, if I don't have anywhere to plug in my, blow dryer i'm probably not gonna enjoy it so um yeah that's what's really <laughs> but, but this but, is why this is why i need you because um you provide a lot of a <laughs> lot of uh a lot of experiences that i have never given myself or probably won't hey wanted to share with you something i'm super excited about if you go to the angry forward slash premium you not only get commercial-free episodes, but also something I'm introducing called series, rotating wellness topics, but not only lessons, but what do we do with this information? How do we thread this into our life so we could change our life? Go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium. But what you said is so great. And I love that is that the thing is, is, even though you had the experience that you did living in Los Angeles growing up, you found your way into nature, like even your motorcycle mm. rides, like along the Angeles yeah. crest or in Malibu, you know, like that is experiencing nature. It's, it's different in the way that I might, you know, especially right. earlier on, but right. every and that's one of my biggest beliefs in life is that like nature is our home. Like there's no person that it doesn't belong to it. And so the thing is, is just to take the time to explore what that means to you or to find what mm -hmm. that is. And, and you have. And so like you can find that flow state in those moments in that. And that's everything. And so and that's what suits your lifestyle. And that's like right. if I could give one message to everybody, it's just to find what that is for them. 
Like it could sure, be golfing. It, it could be like painting right. pictures of nature. Like it's just like there's something there for everybody. Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, in the Miserable Fucks retreat, and you are have been uh, to every single one. Uh, I run some for uh, Just Men. I run co-ed. Uh, tell us about what you do. So, um, if, you know, if, if you're not someone who's going to go on, you know, um, some crazy four month, uh, hike, or you're not going to go into the woods or into, uh, dark spaces for many days, um, their miserable fucks retreat is a great little taster spoon. It's the, it's a little red spoon at the ice cream store to taste something before you buy the, <laughs> you know, and, um, Sarah leads the adventure piece to the retreat, which is, um, which is huge because we're in the woods, right? So, uh, you do the guided hike, you do breath and, and, uh, a little bit of breath and then you do ice. So tell us about, um, starting with ice, tell us about it and what the benefits are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you described it so perfectly that these are a wonderful little, little tasters into something larger and in community and in a group in Idlewild. And so I run the ice portion of the retreat and ice is something that I've used over the years to help me get closer to myself and also to just become a more resilient person for these experiences that I'm having in my life and in nature. And um, I think it's really important to have them to be a part, to, to experience it at some point in life. And right now, ice is really popular and which for wonderful reason, because there's just so many different aspects of it that you can cling to. Um, there are numerous studies coming out now about the different aspects of you know of the ice on your body for i mean it's been known for a long time like recovery depending on the type of um, training that you're doing for endurance training immediate recovery from the ice is absolutely incredible um there's a lot of interesting data on testosterone levels and the ice um especially in aging and also um really interesting studies on um delaying um symptoms of alzheimer's which I think is fascinating. Um, but then also just in terms of like body composition and fat loss, there's, there's all sorts of stuff there. Um, but for me, the one thing that I've always been really drawn to is the, the mental benefits of the ice because nobody loves the ice. I don't care who you are. Nobody loves it, right? It's always hard every single time and it's not a linear progression. Just right. because you've done it once or twice doesn't mean like, or, or 17 times and you take a month off, like when you come back to it, it's going to be hard every time like you don't it's not like getting muscle and getting stronger it's just like it's gonna knock you out almost every time and so um i find that you know how you react to the ice and how you handle the ice and what comes up for you in the ice runs parallel to the hard decisions and the hard moments in your life how do you approach them do you avoid them at all costs like when you do you try to numb yourself to it and um I think that being in the ice, if you pay attention to your inner dialogue, you can really learn a lot about who you are. But then also, you know, it's it's in the hard moments that you that you have to like the shifts that you create ripple into your life. So, and that's why I love the ice because when you're in there, there is nowhere to hide. There is no way to numb. You are so present. And when you're in there, so then you're in that moment, you're present, you're panicking, um then if you take yourself and you learn how to control your mind and your body through your breath in the ice, you gain control over yourself in a way that 
makes you feel more comfortable to deal with situations in your life where you might feel out of control. So like difficult conversations, moments of extreme emotion, um, you then have that practice of um, bringing up your parasympathetic nervous system and calming your body, calming your state to then make wiser decisions in the moment as it's happening. And I think that's extremely powerful. I'm shocked that, you know, we've ran this retreat uh, four or five times now, and I always assume that people aren't going to do it. And it's shocking to me that everyone does it. I don't think that we've had one person not do it. Not, not everyone stays in, you know, for three minutes, but everyone does it. And I think it's the power of community. It's a power of, um, you know, the, the collective rooting and cheering. Uh, so if you haven't done ice and you probably never will, if you come to our retreat, it's, it's a great way to actually do it where you're not by yourself and you're not forcing it. Um, you're also, uh, learning the science behind it. So yeah. And then, and then you also, you know, you do a guided hike, which is therapeutic, meaning there's journaling involved. So you're not just walking, um, there's intention, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just going back to what you said about the community aspect of the ice for one second, um, that is one of my favorite parts about it is that there's this unspoken aspect of, of, of performance behind it. And what I mean by that is, um, everybody's watching you and that can be intimidating. Everybody's watching you do something that's really scary and you're going to react in a certain way. But the thing is, is like everybody is so loving and kind and giving of strength. So when you're in there, you feel that. And it's so much easier in life to do hard things when you do it on a team. When you have a group of people, it gives it meaning, it makes it easier and you just prove more to yourself. And so that's why I love at the retreat is because everybody's there with you and you're with them. Like you see them and they see you and you feel seen after that. And um, that carries on over into um, the guided hike and kind of going back to like what I was saying earlier, it's like we're doing it together, but there's this certain aspect of, of being alone too. And I always give everybody some time to kind of go off and to be alone Um to, to be bored, to allow something to, to come through or the hope that something will come through when you're not just bored. So you look at your phone or you get distracted or um, I encourage people to be childlike, to climb a tree, to look at a pine cone, to, 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 to play with the dirt, to just do whatever is interesting to them at the moment. And it's different for everybody. Some people that's to sit in silent meditation for some people that's to climb a tree. Um, but that's the point is to allow like whatever you want to do to do. Cause I feel like a lot of times we're, we're given a lot of like confines and it's kind of nice to just have total freedom and to see what you choose to do with that. And, um, in addition to that, you know, I, I photograph and I, I video the retreat and that's one, one of my favorite aspects is to give people photographs of themselves after the retreat is over because the way that I photograph, it's so I don't know. The, the way that I like to describe it is lovingly fly on the wall. Um, so not yeah. like I'm removed, but it's like, it's an, ad, it's an admiration removal. And it's like, I'm looking at everybody at the retreat, like with such loving eyes to find the beauty in them to, to, to show them, be like, look at who you were in this moment. Look at the strength that you just exhibited um, for them to then keep with them after the retreat to remember because that's one of the things about retreats is that it's, it's it's great to go and have the experience but then when you come back into your life you know you kind of maybe get back into the shuffle and then those memories kind of fade but i think like having images you know having journal entries from the different um, experiences at the retreat from the different leaders um having little artifacts to carry with you to remember who you were in that moment 
um, to be inspired to, to live that continuously, not just when, just not just at the retreat, but when it's over. And I think that's what makes the Miserable Flux retreat so powerful is that there are those little mementos, there are those little things too, um, that you can carry with you. So that way you can continue to have that in your life. And I've had a couple of people reach out to say that, like, oh, I can't, I can't believe how powerful, you know, three days were. Like, I never expected it to have quite that impact. And that's such a testament to like the team of every, of, of coaches that we have there. You know, it's such a beautiful blend of people, you mm-hmm. know, and um, it's unique in that way. It's somatic, but then it's also therapeutic. It's group, it's, it's hikes, it's everything. And so I've been a lot of part, I've been a part of a lot of experiences, you know, of people trying to provide wellness in, in group settings, but this just really hits the nail on the head. And yeah. um, I'm so proud to be a part of it and, and so honored to share that space with anybody who decides to join us. You know, a lot of things that happen uh, kind of seamlessly, organically, and you're not really thinking about like, you know, money or scaling or profit, but you're just doing it because your heart feels like you should. And that's how this whole thing happened. Um, always turns out the best. And, you know, I I, uh, I I put everything in the shot glass in this retreat. I love that it's kind of like a Snickers bar. It's just packed with, you know, peanut. Just <laughs> packed with so much over the weekend. So it is, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a one week long. Get on a plane, go somewhere fancy. It's just a weekend in Idlewild, um, and I do that on purpose. And it feels very summer campy. And what I love about uh, what Sarah does with the documentation, uh, she has such a great eye. It's very filmic, uh, the stuff that she does. She captures moments, right? So it's not about capturing like a, a really cool photo. She captures moments, which is very honest. And then she sends you the photographs or a few photographs um, via snail mail. And I feel like in this world of technology and AI and all the shit that's happening, to hold a photograph in your hand, it, it, it just it just it just so like analog, but in a good way, you know? And so thank you for being a part of the team. Thank you for being such a powerful catalyst. Um I love watching you do your thing as you continue to grow. And um, if you want to meet Sarah and hear, <laughs> go deeper on, ask her in person uh, some of, <laughs> about some of her adventures. Uh, and also, if you want to um, do ice for the first time and have someone like Sarah guide you, we're not just throwing people on ice. Uh, she's guiding each person. So it's, 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 it's really crafted. Um, come check out our Miserable Fox Retreat. We're doing one. June 24th to the 26th. And um, if you have a motorcycle, Sarah and I and a few friends are going after the retreat on motorcycles from Idlewild to Joshua Tree. That part is free. It's just, we're just adding it on uh, to have a, have a, just to celebrate, you know, adventure in life. Um, and I'll tell you what, if you're listening now, because I really want you to come. Um, let me give you a discount code. So if you're listening, you're getting this discount code. It's only for this retreat, June 24th to the 26th. Um, nectar. It's all about seeking nectar. So uh, all caps nectar. And um, just go to tatretreats.com. And at checkout, type in nectar. And we will see you there in person. And you can meet Sarah. And uh, she'll take awesome photographs of you as well as uh, submerge <laughs> you in ice, take you on a, a nature walk. Um, it's life-changing. And so, yeah, we hope to see you there. Sarah, thank you for uh, this conversation. And uh, the yes, reminder. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, and thank you for the reminder to um if anything, if you if you got anything out of this conversation, it's the reminder to get out. Uh to get out away from the cubicle, away from your computer and in the way that you do it, however you do it, for me it takes a machine, but get into nature in some way. Yes. Exactly. Hey, um I do something kind of I do something kind of different with on my podcast. I uh try to come up with a title after the podcast with the guest. So in real time, what do you think the title of this episode should be? Hmm. What words come to your mind? Darkness, heights, well, it's what, ice. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's funny because like the words that come to mind is just like literally what you just said. Like, and I, I know that you talk, you use that that phrase a lot, but like the, the seeking, seeking nectar is mm. just, I don't know. So... Okay, that's fine. Seeking Nectar with Sarah Williams. (laughs) Everyone, thank you for listening. Be well.